Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts, and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team, and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hey everyone, in today's episode, we will speak with Dr. David Miller, co-founder and managing director at Clean Energy Ventures. A firm based out of Boston is on a mission to beat back climate change through energy innovation by funding disruptive startups with capital-like technologies and innovative business models that can reshape how we produce and consume energy. I was excited to have David and his incredible wisdom on the show to learn more about his impressive story as a successful engineer and telco entrepreneurs, which started in the mid-90s, followed by his realization that climate change will define the 21st century leading him to go back to MIT to get a PhD with a thesis focused on how to improve the odds of success and growth for clean energy startups. Since 2005, David has invested in clean energy startups, putting a tremendous effort into building ecosystems that support founders and finally launching clean energy ventures with two other partners. During the show, David will give greater detail into the investment thesis behind their strong statement that every climate tech startup they invest in has the potential to mitigate 2.5 gigatons of CO2 by 2050, and how they put together an innovative calculator to drive their investment decision. 
After covering the state of the climatic ecosystem today, are we in a bubble or not? David will share his view on electric versus hydrogen-powered vehicles and his opinion on nuclear as a solution in the energy mix. Finally, he will highlight underdog areas in climate tech pushed by emerging market forces in which he sees exciting potential for investments and growth. In the second part of the show, David will share the secret sauce that can increase your odds to fundraise successfully. You will also learn some key red flags that makes investors pass on deals. Finally, you will get a few valuable tips on work-life balance for founders and investors. David, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super happy and uh, very excited to have you here with us uh, today. Uh, Great so before to be here. We start, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and so before we start, we, we always like to, to ask a little bit about like, if you can give us a, a 30 second uh, introduction about uh, Clean Energy Ventures. <laughs> 30 seconds. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more later, <laughs> but um, so our, our group has been uh, investing in early stage clean energy technologies for 16 years now. Um, our current fund is Clean Energy Ventures Fund One, which is a $110 million fund focused on finding funding and supporting the companies that will make the most difference in mitigating climate change and where we could add a, a ton of value in the process. And typically we're the first institutional investor in those companies. Super exciting. So let's start from the, from the top. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about uh, your story, your impressive background uh, as you are wearing uh, at least two big hats as entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and investors? Um, mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about uh, this, uh, this long journey uh, that you, <laughs> you had so far. Sure. So my personal background, so my background is engineering, um, multiple degrees. Um, Started a telecom software company in the mid 90s, um, ended up through a series of acquisitions being acquired by Lucent Technologies. Um, and there I, I went to sit on the other side of the table after being an entrepreneur, raising venture capital for my company. I went to be in venture capital, originally in corporate venture capital for Lucent, primarily commercializing Bell Labs technologies, while well, Bell Labs was still Bell Labs. Um, and, and while I was there, and this was 1999, um, and thinking about where to next, I came to the realization that more than anything else, that climate change would define the 21st century. And I decided I wanted to do something positive to, to mitigate the worst effects of climate change. And that led me to clean energy. It led me go back to school at MIT, where I had my original degrees from, and get a PhD focusing on you know, my, my PhD dissertation was on how do you improve the odds of success of clean energy startups and how do you enable them to grow faster? So that was my research. And then in parallel to that, I started personally investing in clean energy startups with a number of colleagues and partners starting in, in 2005. And then over time, through a series of vehicles, that's what led to our, our current fund. And, and, and also, um, I, the, the other thing I've really focused on along with my partners is developing the ecosystem for clean energy and climate techs, particularly in the, in the Northeast United States, but whether it be public-private partnerships, industry coalitions, business plan competitions, 
but creating an ecosystem that would support the development of transformative startups. Exciting. So what was your driver in a way to jump into the you know, impacts, clean and today climate tech uh, industry, uh-huh. uh, as the name is uh, evolving also with, uh, with the years <laughs> and you have been uh, you know, involved uh, since, uh, since almost the beginning and you saw all of that. So what, did you have any aha moment uh, that really like push you? You mentioned that uh, climate change was something that uh, uh, you started to get concerned about it, but can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit more about this, uh, this in a way driver or that push sure. you? Sure. So yeah, as I mentioned, you know, going back to 1999, um, and I was thinking about where to next after my company had been acquired, and I decided I wanted to do something that would contribute to the world in some way. Um, and I was thinking along different time frames. Um, really, in, in the longest time frame, I was thinking about space exploration, like how do we expand beyond this planet? In the shortest time frame, I was thinking about education. You know, how do we get better? How do we help the next generation to be better than we are? But in the medium time frame, which I defined as really the next century, and that's the time frame in which I'm going to be around and my kids are going to be around, I realized that more than anything else, that, that climate change would be the driver of, you know, how successful our civilization would be, frankly. Um, and unfortunately, it could have you know, extremely detrimental effects on the lives of hundreds of millions or billions of people. Um, but um, you know, at that point, and still at this point, there's time to do something about that and mitigate that and create change what's, what was a tremendous challenge into an opportunity, an opportunity to remake um, you know, particularly the energy industry. You know, how, how do we produce distribute and, and use energy, um, which has a huge impact on climate and, and other forms of area where um, there's a lot of pollution. How do we become more of a, a closed loop economy where waste becomes food, right? Waste becomes source. And at the same time, I had already started investing directly in early stage companies. And I have a strong belief and in, in, in really based on research that the best innovations, and this has always been true, come from startups, come from new companies, not the huge incumbents, but when you really want to change how things are done to be disruptive, that comes from startups. So the marriage of this huge challenge um, and the knowledge that startups can make a huge difference and being in the business of investing in startups all came together and you know, realized like, look, we have to find, fund and support the startups that are really gonna be able to make the most difference. And, and you know, these companies at their nascent stages often, you know, and this was part of my research, you know, often you know, small differences could decide whether they're going to be successful or not. Um, and we want to be the leverage for the companies that had the most potential to be the most successful. Fantastic. And before we go, uh, I, I guess t- too much into detail of the, the, the story of our clean energy venture, which uh, is definitely the genesis that you, uh, you, you just shared with us. Uh, maybe let's uh, zoom out a little bit. We like in this, uh, you know, in this podcast, we're always going to kind of get like this uh, overview and macro view of the uh, ecosystem. So if you can give us your own, you know, overview of the climate tech ecosystem today, I mean, how, how is it different than the, <laughs> the, the clean tech rush? Uh, that took place uh, almost 10 years ago. 
And are we are we in a bubble or uh, is it uh, you know the fundamentals are there to to last longer? Um, yes and yes. Um, so <laughs> so having having done this for 16 years now, there have certainly been boom and bust cycles, um, and we had one you know kind of in the. 2006 to 2010 range, uh, you know, a, a boom and a bust. Um, and, you know, that that's the way I think all markets work. Um, and so it's, it's not, it's not unusual. And, you know, in clean tech, of course, the, the bust um, in the early 2010s Uh, was harmful because it certainly inhibited the growth of companies at that time. We did our best to fill that gap. And that's really what motivated us originally to, to raise capital to enable us to have greater reach. Um, but, you know, certainly that bust period and, and what was called clean tech at the point, um, you know, was difficult. And, and now, you know, fortunately, in many respects, we are in a boom period. And it's great to see, you know, new capital coming into the space a lot more entrepreneurs, um, you know, companies going public, companies at, you know, very, very high valuations. And it's, it's wonderful to see. And, and absolutely, I believe the fundamentals support the growth of this industry. I mean, this, this is, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars um, that are going to go into this industry productively. But, you know, it's still a cycle. And so it will not be unusual to see from the current boom period that, you know, there may at some point be, you know, some kind of downturn. It's a hundred percent to be expected. Um, and then, and then subsequent booms after that, but the, the trend, you know, goes up and down, but the trend is going to be up over time. clearly. Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, maturity of the uh, climate tech or clean tech uh, ecosystem today, Uh, how do you see the ecosystem in that sense in terms of maturity? So we have the different uh, stakeholders like you know, sure. venture funds like yours, accelerators. Uh, in, in this, I see, I see more and more those, uh, uh, I would say, entrepreneurs coming from the tech industry, moving into this climate tech uh, ecosystem yep. as well. So, but where are we to consider that the ecosystem in a way reach a level of maturity that will really create a dent and an impact uh, in terms of reaching this 2050 uh, net zero goal. Meaning we're not just like building prototypes, but what we reach is really creating an impact uh, in itself. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, again, um, you know, looking over the last couple of decades, um, the ecosystem is so much more mature today um, and it will continue to mature. Uh, but it's certainly at a point where it can support the development of companies that are going to enable the net zero world in, in 2050. I mean, we have, you know, six companies in our prior managed portfolio, another 15 in our current fund portfolio, each of which we think is going to have impact on the gigaton, multi-gigaton scale. Um, and of course, we're not the only investor, right? There are many other investors as well investing in very impactful companies. So yes, the companies that are starting today, that are being funded today, have tremendous opportunity to be impactful. And the ecosystem, whether it be you know the entrepreneurs or the investors, service providers, the markets for the company's products and services are rapidly progressing. 
Fantastic. So let's go back down to uh, a little bit more specific on the uh, clean energy venture. Um, so can you tell me a bit about, like you already covered like the the, part, the first part of the story, uh-huh. uh, but how did you meet your, uh, your co-founders and, and, and <laughs> what was the secret of the alchemies? And then you guys started to decide, you know, the, the, the first uh, thesis or investment thesis behind your, your fund. So if you can tell us a little bit more about this, uh, this thesis is it still the same as uh, the original one, sure. or did you guys uh, evolved? And uh, and maybe about the firm also is like, I mean, what do you bring to uh, to your founder's portfolio? I mean, why should they choose you? <laughs> a lot of questions. <laughs> that's, that's a great. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> so um, one of my partners, Dan Goldman, and I met, um, I think originally in 2003. Um, and we were both looking at investing in early stage clean tech or climate tech companies at that time. Um, and after running across each other coincidentally a few times, and then maybe not so coincidentally a few more times, <laughs> it became evident that it made sense to, to work together. Um, and we formed what we call a clean energy venture group in, in, in 2005. Um, and, you know, our original set of partners um, and on to this day were folks you know, kind of like ourselves who had started and run companies and, and sold those companies in, in many cases and in many cases multiple times. Um, and so folks who had the ability to make investments in, in new companies and also had the background and experience and expertise to help those companies and to mentor them and, and to serve on the board and, and also folks who had a significant focus on climate tech. Um, so, you know, we started with four partners um, and the group, Clean Energy Venture Group continues to this day and has uh, about 35 partners now and has expanded geographically um, as well um, throughout, you know, many, you know, several different regions across the United States. Um, And so, you know, kind of that, what that enabled us to do, having kind of the expertise and and depth of experience in the group, is it enabled us to go very deep into the companies we were at first, you know, sourcing and diligencing and then investing in and being able to help them quite a bit. And so it kind of solved the conundrum initially as angel investors and now as a relatively small fund. I mean, Clean Energy Venture Fund is a $110 million fund. I solved the conundrum of, you know, a relatively small early stage fund. Um, Often there's a conundrum of you have to choose that you're either going to spend a ton of your management time on a few companies, or you're going to spread out your management time over a larger portfolio. Um, And you have to choose. And, and, you know, obviously you want a larger portfolio, but you also want to spend time on each company. So, So we've been fortunate to have a structure that enables us to do both Um, because, you know, now we have, you know, eight, eight people full-time on our fund team. We have an incredible board of advisors, including Ernie Moniz, uh, former secretary of energy. Um, And we have, you know, incredible advisors and consultants, and we have venture partners um, who are very actively supporting our diligence and management of companies. And that gives us the capacity to do both, to have a 
significant enough portfolio and fund one will have you know 20 to 25 companies in the portfolio and to be able to go very deep in diligence and then very deep in supporting the companies we invest in at the same time and one thing we found um, is that you know comparing us to other early stage investors like when you often hear about early stage venture capital it's a very risky endeavor right and those really risky companies not all of them survive, of course, when, when you're taking those big risks. And so it's very, very common for early stage risk-taking investors to have a lot of losses in the portfolio. You have a few home runs and you have a lot of losses. Um, well, I think because of our strategy of how deeply we support the companies we invest in, we've had very few losses on a relative basis. Not none, of course, we're not perfect, but you know, a, a common metric is a capital loss ratio. And, and for us over 32 companies, it's two and a half percent. And for the industry, mm. it's often, you know, 20, 30%. Yeah. So ours is, you know, significantly <laughs> lower across, across the entire portfolio. So, so our, our companies tend, tend to do well. And, and also when they exit, um, they're providing good returns um, and good multiples. And I'll, and I'll say one other thing, which is we are extremely impact focused, right? We only will invest in companies that can have massive, and we'll talk more about how we measure this, right? Um, but we only invest in companies that have massive impact potential in mitigating climate change. And our thesis is that that's not a, you know, an either or, that supports us having uh, really above market returns. Because when we find those companies that have massive impact potential, coupled with extraordinary teams, coupled with extremely profitable business models, coupled with sustainable competitive advantage and um, capital efficient business models um, and everything we look for in this extensive diligence <laughs> process we have, if you put that together, you end up with companies that are highly scalable, will have a huge impact. And as they have that huge impact, will be hugely profitable. And as they are hugely profitable, then they will have more impact and it's a positive loop. Um, and that's what we've been able to see in, in our uh, portfolios. Looks like the, 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 the green uh, unicorn that uh, every climate tech uh, <laughs> investors are chasing. Uh, you <laughs> Fantastic. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's amazing. So can you maybe uh, tell us a little bit about maybe one specific uh, previous investment that, uh, that you did? What made them uh, special? Was it like the... Uh, I mean, the team, the market, the impact, and all the above that you uh, you, you mentioned uh, before, and, and maybe a little bit in terms of sourcing process uh, that, that you have. Uh, you're very involved with, uh, with MIT, uh, so probably uh, it's also like one of your uh, largest uh, pipeline. Um, but in a way, who should come to pitch you? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, great. Great questions. Okay, well, I'll talk about one of the Fund One portfolio companies that I'm on the board of. So quite familiar with the story. So, so going back to sourcing, and this is very common. Um, so a friend and colleague of mine in the industry, someone who actually had successfully created a, a solar company uh, and, and sold that company, um, and who I was keeping in touch with, um, had mentioned this company Pearl certification to me uh, a number of years ago um, as something you know to put on our radar as, as something that you know this this is promising. This often happens with us is you know 
again, we've been, we've been in the sector for quite some time. Um, we have very deep networks and so, so people know where to find us. And so they refer these really promising companies to us. And it was very nascent at the time. Um, and often what we do is we'll follow a company sometimes for years to see, okay, are they beginning to realize what their potential was? Um, and that's what happened with this particular company. And, and once we saw that, you know, they were really proving their potential, um, that's when we invested. And, and what they do, um, and this is a sector that, you know, we're, we're very interested in, which is energy efficiency. It's kind of the low-hanging fruit, um, particularly in buildings. You know, buildings use a lot more energy than they need to. They can be even more comfortable than they are using much less energy. Um, and this is especially true for homes. Um, and, you know, homes as an entire sector are, are wasting massive, massive amounts of energy and therefore um, causing lots of unnecessary emissions. Mm -hmm. um, and what we had seen over the years is lots of technologies that would improve the energy efficiency of homes. And at the same time, make them more comfortable create a great return on investment for the homeowner because they would pay for themselves in energy savings. And, you know, it seems like it's a no brainer, but the challenge was is homeowners don't have tons of spare capital sitting around in their pocket. And so they would be hesitant to pay an upfront cost, even if there was a good reason to, right? So a lot of early adopters would get these technologies, but not the mass market. And incredibly frustrating because we know how valuable making homes more energy efficient were. So Pearl found a way to solve that fundamental problem. And the way they found to solve it was by directly linking the energy performance of homes to the value of the home, what the home would sell for. Um, and they created a validated certification system um, by which you know, a lot of data is collected about the home and Pearl analyzes that data um, and through, you know, uh, proprietary validated method uh, comes up with a certification that is accepted by home appraisers and the appraisal institute and accepted mm -hmm. by real estate brokers and has been demonstrated across multiple studies to increase the value of a home by 5% on average. And 5% on the value of an entire home is huge, yeah. right? It's, it's a lot. Um, so now the homeowner then now it's a new equation, right? I'm going to spend, you know, maybe $2,000 on getting a super high efficiency heating and cooling system. That's going to make my house a lot more comfortable and save me energy. And by the way, after I spend that $2,000, the next day, my home is going to be worth $20,000 more if I sell it the day after that, right? Absolutely no brainer. So all of a sudden it becomes much easier to sell and deploy yeah. these super high energy efficient equipment, um, solar panels, insulation, energy monitoring, anything that's improving energy performance of homes. And so it's completely unlocking that entire industry um, and you know, linking the energy performance to, to home value. And so that, you know, highly, highly scalable. They're becoming a national standard. Mm -hmm. um, Multiple manufacturers like Lennox and Owens Corning and SunPower are you know, kind of standardizing across their contractor networks for these certifications. Um, there are public-private partnerships with both the federal government and state governments that are looking for improving energy performance. 
across the country, working closely with Pearl. So they're, they're kind of the hub enabling now energy efficiency at scale. So incredibly exciting. That's exciting. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, uh, that, that story and that, uh, that business. It's, uh, it's incredible. So um, I, I would like to ask you a little bit, uh, now that we spoke about this, uh, this specific uh, company, um, if we zoom out a little bit, uh, in terms of uh, sector, which are the, the ones that, according to you, are the most promising in terms of like what we call the ICR or impact cash return, so meaning building like impactful companies while creating highly profitable uh, business. Do you see any underdogs uh, sector pushed <laughs> by those uh, emerging market uh, forces uh, that you would like to share with other investors uh, listening to the, to the show? Uh, so, who- so like subsectors, subsectors of, of um, clean energy? Uh, it can be in clean energy, or I would say in, in general on the decarbonization of the uh, ecosystem, I mean, the economy today, uh, it's, it's pretty broad. So where do you see as a climate tech investors and probably let's take the, the focus of, uh, of energy and, 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 and impact that uh, you guys are tackling? Where do you see that there is still like room for uh, kind of like those golden nuggets that are sitting down uh-huh. there that no one is uh, taking? <laughs> Right. Well, I just talked about a major one, which is energy yeah. efficiency, right? Exactly. Um, and that's true across the economy. I was talking about, you know, residential homes, you know, but there's also commercial buildings, industrial buildings, tons of companies addressing that sector and, and it's needed, right? I mean, there's tremendous energy waste, lots and lots of room for improvement and not just in buildings, but across industrial processes, across, you know, transportation, you know, any place that energy is used, Mm -hmm. there's often room to make it more efficient and making it more efficient often has a very high return on investment because it it generally tends to not be very costly and save a ton of money. So, you know, I'd I'd always, you know, I'll always talk about energy efficiency because there's just so much room for improvement. Um, but, you know, and then again, you know, traditional, you know, when, when people often think about, you know, climate tech, they think about clean energy production, you know, solar and wind and geothermal and hydro and, and uh, you know, again, lots and lots of room. Now, now some of those industries are already scaling rapidly, um, you know, solar and, and wind in particular, but like, you know, we have companies in our portfolio um, you know, one called Leaning Edge, one called Sun Density in particular, there are significantly improving energy production that will come from solar PV, as well in Leading Edge's case, significantly reducing the energy footprint of the production in, in the solar industry. So now that those industries are becoming larger, um, technologies that improve them have more and more impact because now they're having impact across across larger industries. Um, and then, you know, energy management. I mean, so that's that's an area maybe that's a little less thought of. I mean, you think about energy production, production yeah. but you have to get the energy from where it's produced to where it's used, right? And you have to do so efficiently. So it has to be, you know, transmitted, distributed, monitored, tracked, right? So there's metering, there's transmission technologies, energy distribution technologies, right? Yeah, and yeah. We, we all know that the, the grid in the US, it's a, it's a major uh, slowdown for the, 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 the move to the, the 
the fully like renewable energy or decentralized production. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, absolutely. There's tons of room for improvement in the grid, and some of our companies are are doing that. You know, Line Vision in particular on the transmission side. Um, and so, yes, I mean, you might have tons of renewable energy being produced, but you have to get it to where it's needed. And our grid needs lots of help. Um, and then coupled with that, of course, is storage, right? Because that's the other thing. Well, if you're producing excess renewable energy, if you can't get it where it's needed immediately, you can store it. <laughs> and so, of course, storage is, is a very hot area in the sector, whether chemical storage, through so lithium ion batteries, and we have a company, Valexion, that's significantly improving the performance of really all kinds of lithium ion batteries, making them so safer, more energy dense, more, more power dense, um, and other forms of storage, um, underground storage um, that could be significantly cheaper than chemical storage and therefore mm -hmm. highly, highly scalable. Um, so that's, you know, it's all, it's all linked together. Um, and then, you know, recycling and especially as it applies to energy. So you think, you know, think of all those lithium ion batteries, what happens to them at their end of life? Well, that's a really, really important question because they have extremely valuable metals in them that are mm -hmm. hard to, extract on a raw basis. So you got to figure out how to reuse them. And so we have a company Nth Cycle that's doing that much more efficiently than other methods, saving tons of emissions in the process and also enabling the industry to become much more closed loop, which mm -hmm. is, is just absolutely going to have to happen. Um, you know, mobility and transportation, right? I mean, that's huge. We have a, a one company, Clearflame, that's enabling you know, we talk a lot about electric vehicles, you know, passenger vehicles, yeah. but you got to think of what about heavy duty transportation, right? There are a lot of missions associated with really heavy duty trucking, marine, let's say. And those are, those are harder to electrify right away. You know, maybe- We, we heard the story of, uh, of Nikolai. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully- <Right? laughs> Tesla is also pushing on, uh, on that- uh, uh, on that direction, there's a lot of uh, stuff to do. So you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's not going to happen overnight. So so what if instead of you know a lot and and, and and like again, maybe this will happen in 30 years, but it's not going to happen overnight. In the meantime, you have these heavy duty diesel engines that are belching pollution into the air at very large scale that are not mm -hmm. going away. So what if you could replace them tomorrow with diesel engines that have exactly the same performance? but run on low carbon or even no carbon or negative carbon fuels mm -hmm. without compromising performance. You just, you know, replace the engine. And so that's what the company Clearflame is doing. So that's enabling transition to low carbon, no carbon economy tomorrow, <laughs> as opposed to decades from now in an area of heavy duty transportation where there's tons and tons of emissions. Um, so, uh, you know, we might talk about hydrogen later. I mean, hydrogen is another option, right? Um, certainly that applies to transportation and, and energy generation. Um, and so that, you know, clearly in many sectors of the economy, hydrogen already is important and will continue to be important. And we have to switch uh, to what's known as green hydrogen. Yeah. Right. I think that's a good segue <laughs> for my uh, next uh, question. David. Sure. Uh, so What's your take against this, you know, electric power transportation versus uh, hydrogen uh, in terms of opportunities and, and, and deployment? Uh, I mean, 
who are all like, okay, EVs are like pushing the, the, the waste. Hydrogen is like something very incredible to propose, but the production of hydrogen uh, in this green, blue, uh, dark yeah. brown, uh, they, they can <laughs> all get a, a different colors, uh, create also some uh, some challenges. And then the the, the, the distribution uh, of hydrogen as well. I was, uh, you know, reading some, sure. some, some stuff on that. And so where do you see that? Are we going to a mix? Uh, is it going to be one versus the others? Uh, what's your take on that? So, so I think what you might hear me say in the answer to multiple questions, it's all of the above, right? <laughs> so, so, so climate is such a pervasive, large problem that there can't be one solution. You have to have many, many solutions across every industry, right? So you have to maximize electrification and maximize utilization of green hydrogen, both at the same time. It's, it's not an either or. And there are certain subsectors where each makes more sense for, for passenger vehicles, electrification, um, you know, is on its way and does make a ton of sense, right? And, and we're, we're developing infrastructure um, that will support that. Um, but hydrogen also for other forms of transportation and other forms of industrial um, energy use is already being used today. And so that you just switch it, the easiest path is you take you know, hydrogen already being used today and you switch it to green hydrogen. And so companies like Advanced Ionics who can create green hydrogen at very, very low cost, that makes sense. Cause now it's, it's you know, a company isn't gonna do it just because it's the right thing to do. They're gonna do it because it saves them money. So when it's the right thing to do and it saves them money, that's when you have the transition. And so that's what, you know, companies like Advanced Ionics are enabled. So, thank you so much. Um, I, I like to to move quickly onto uh, into uh, nuclear. Uh, so, you know, many people see nuclear as a, as this black sheep uh, in the uh, energy mix solution that uh, that you have today to to produce abundant and predictable and low carbon uh, energy. I mean, you, you all know. I mean, you know as well that uh, Bill Gates is pushing the project with uh, TerraPower in Wyoming, pouring millions into the new generation of, of reactors. So, what, what's your take on on nuclear energy as a, as a source? I mean, is it a danger? Is it a necessary risk to take uh, to increase our chance against climate change? Yeah. Or anyway, it will be you know too too, too It's going to take too long to uh, to deploy uh, and really have an impact against it. So again, all of the above. We we got we got to do it, and we got to do it in ways that are as fast as possible, and that are scalable as possible. Um, you know, certainly there are very interesting fusion technologies. This company Commonwealth Fusion, right in our backyard here, um, that has ton of potential. Um, and there's modular nuclear. Um, you know, most mostly efficient, but you know, often safe molten salt reactors. I mean, so there are approaches. Um, they tend, most of them, not aren't in our investment portfolio because they tend to be a little bit more capital intensive. Mm-hmm. But there are certainly fantastic investors who have the capital resources to invest in these, and who should. And so, you know, Bill Gates doing this makes a ton of sense because we need carbon-free sources of energy. We need every carbon source-free uh, source of energy that we can possibly get. Um, and so to the extent that we can scale nuclear as soon as possible and safely and 
many of these new technologies, really most of these new technologies also significantly improve safety. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're safe, you're scalable. Um, and so, you know, absolutely in favor of that. Okay. So let's get, go back to uh, clean energy venture. Um, oh, and, and let's speak about like the way or, and you measure impact. Uh, uh -huh. Do you have any like specific process, framework, yes. calculator I heard uh, to allow to, in a way, to, to stick to this claim that uh, you guys have on the, on the website, investing <laughs> in companies that can mitigate 2.5 gigaton uh, of CO2 by 2050. So how do you uh, ensure that uh, we're not in, in greenwashing on the, the founder side <laughs> and uh, trying to, to screw you? <laughs> That's a great, great question. That's, it's a really important question because I can tell you again, I mean, after you know, investing in the sector for many years, it's very easy to invest in companies that are doing good things. You know they're doing good things, um, but there's often a question of, well, how much, how scalable is this? How much of a difference is this going to make? It's good, but how much of an impact is it actually going to have on the world? How much of an impact is it going to have on climate, which is such a huge problem. So that's why we came up with this two and a half gigaton metric, because we decided, look, we only have so many shots on goal. Um, we spent a ton, a ton of time working with the companies we invest in. So if we're going to do that. We want to invest in companies that are going to make a huge difference, right? And so, yes, I mean, there are tons of companies that are doing great things, but we're in particular trying to conserve our bullets for the ones that are gonna be most, most impactful. Um, certainly coming in at the early stage, right? So um, that's where the two and a half gigaton metric came from. And then, yes, we had to decide, okay, well, how are we gonna assess this? How are we gonna determine? And, and, and what we were doing at one time is, you know, every company that was interesting, we'd start getting into details of how they're gonna do it. But we evaluate, you know, probably over a thousand companies a year. Um, so it's it's very time consuming to <laughs> go into details with, with many of those companies. So we divide we devised a screening tool that we call CERC, Simple Emission Reduction Calculator. And the simple is the key because we had to find a way to screen, a screen across all these hundreds and hundreds of companies that are coming into us in a way that would be very quick and easy, um, but still give us an idea, a pretty good idea, order of magnitude, you know, what's the impact potential? So there's really two basic questions that we need to know. One is what's the unit impact of the technology product or service? So when you sell one product, deploy your service to one customer, um, how much emissions is that gonna save? Is that, is that how much is it gonna reduce emissions by over the course of a year, let's say? Um, and why, explain to us why also. Um, and you could tell us, you know, amount of kilowatt hours you're saving or tons of carbon you're reducing, however you want to say it. And that's the unit impact. Okay, fantastic. We know what you're doing now is saving X amount of greenhouse gases. Second question is how much? How many of these are you going to sell, right? How, how much are you going to scale? So what, what's kind of your maximum annual impact on scale, how many units per year are you going to be selling at your maximum level? Um, and then, well, when is that going to be? Is that five years from now, 10 years, 20 years, right? How long is it going to take you to get there? So once we have the answers to those questions, almost all new technologies 
particularly disruptive technologies follow a common shape called an S-shaped adoption curve, right? It starts off slow, exponential mm -hmm. growth, and then asymptotic to some maximum level. So when we know what the maximum level is and we know when it is, that gives us the XY coordinate at the top of the S-curve. Then we could draw the S-curve underneath it from now till 2050, measure the area under the curve, and that gives us the cumulative emission reduction potential between now and 2050. And amazingly enough, many entrepreneurs that, you know, they're, they're spending their time developing technologies. They're not spending their time measuring areas under S-curves. So they often mm -hmm. don't even know what their potential is <laughs> by 2050. So we help them find it out. Um, and that's why we've made it publicly available. Um, so if you go to cleanenergyventures.com, slash S-E-R-C for Simple Emission Reduction Calculator, anyone could enter, answer those questions for their project or their company um, or their service and get, again, this order of magnitude assessment. Now, that's just the first step for us, mm -hmm. right? So once we have that initial assessment, if the company looks interesting to us and all the dimensions I talked about earlier, yeah. right? Is it capital efficient? Is it early stage, right? Um, then we're going to go into really deep details like okay you know demonstrate your technology actually reduces emissions by so much let's look into your financial projections how are you going to grow who's going to buy your product or service who are your customers what are the markets what are the size of those markets how are they growing over time so can we really believe all of those numbers and then so we validate it on a very detailed level um, and that's what we do in, in our diligence process and we link the impact assessment to the financial projections, right? Um, to their pro forma. So we wanna know you're gonna be able to do this profitable. And the more profitable you come, the more impact reductions there are and vice versa. And so, you know, when we're assessing, you know, return potential on the investment and the profitability of the company, that ties directly into the emission impact assessment as well. It, it, it all works together. Thank you so much for sharing that. So uh, almost last question for, for this part of the, the uh -huh. interview. Um, so what's your personal view uh, on the climate crisis? I mean, as I mentioned to you before, are we doomed? Uh, <laughs> what would you, I mean, what would you say to, to, what would you tell to people who feel demoralized? I mean, you see all those terrible news constantly in the press. We already feel and, 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 and those visible consequences of climate change. So you're, you are part of the, uh, you know, the people who are optimistic about like change are possible, but what would you tell them? Well, I mean, I'd start off, I mean, yeah, this is incredibly serious moment we're in, right? So if we don't significantly change how we do things, and this is, you know, technologies being deployed as well as government policy around the world, if we don't significantly change that and soon, then unfortunately, there's a pretty good chance that we are. I mean, this is that the trends are not promising. Um, if you really dig deep um, and you, know, you evaluate the IPCC reports and all the scientific data, um, you know, there's a probability spectrum, right? We could do nothing and be fine. You, know, you could also walk into the middle of a crowded highway and not happen to be hit by a car. Um, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> to play the lottery, then <laughs> you know you 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 could play roulette and 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 hit you know one particular number. So 
you know, it's, it's an odds game, but our odds are not good if we do nothing um, across all sectors of society, right? Well, you know, companies, investors, entrepreneurs, governments, consumers, everyone has to play a role. Um, that said, we still can turn the ship, right? Um, there is absolutely, I mean, the, the, what's, what's so fortunate about what we do is we are seeing these thousands of companies that can help solve the problem, right? Every day we're seeing a new company that can help solve the problem. And if you add up that two and a half gigaton times, you know, our fund one portfolio, and now we're going to have a fund two portfolio, and you add up that two and a half gigaton times both of those portfolios, it doesn't solve the whole problem, but it makes a pretty good dent, right? And then if other investors are doing the same thing, and if governments are supporting it and industry is supporting it, then, then yes, I mean, we got to work hard. I mean, this, this is kind of like, you know, what happened in World War II? You know, in the United States at the beginning, the very beginning of World War II had relatively little industrial capacity um, and, you know, was, was not involved at all in, in the fight. Um, and so if that remained, then World War II might have ended up very, very differently. But there was a point in time where there was a switch mm-hmm. and the U.S. transformed. They transformed, US transformed the industry, got involved in the fight in a big way and, and shifted the outcome. We have to do that kind of shift. And we can. We've done it before. We have to do that kind of shift. And, and we can turn this tremendous crisis and challenge into an opportunity because we can make a world that's better than it is today, right? A zero carbon world in 2050, not only are you saving yourself from from climate change, um, air pollution sickens and kills millions of people around the world. I mean, horrible, horrible health costs, right? Water availability, right? I mean, there are many people who do not have access to clean water or enough food, enough like good, healthy food. Um, and, you know, our, our, our water, our land is becoming polluted, our airs, our oceans, our oceans are dying. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this isn't just about how hot it is outside or whether there's a big storm or a fire. I mean, this is everything we need to survive and have yeah. healthy, fulfilling lives. So there are a lot of co-benefits. So when we solve climate, we solve a lot of other problems that makes the world a better place to live in. So, and, I, and I'm, I'm optimistic we can do it if we make the effort, collective effort. Thank you. It's, uh, it's always like, uh, you know, energizing to, feel, to, to hear people like you, like uh, sharing this, uh, this positive view. Um, so how can the, the community of listeners can help you today, uh, if anything? Someone listening to you and say, okay, uh, What's the call to action for you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd say for entrepreneurs, um, if you have the potential to create a, a, a company that's going to have, you know, massive impact potential in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, then come to cleanenergyventures.com and, and we have a short application form that goes to our 30 member a uh, screening committee of, of extremely experienced folks who, who can help you even if we don't invest, I'll say, right? So if, if you 
have a really, really serious idea, then, you know, we, we always, we always want to hear about it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking to, you know, really catalyze the, the funds of our investors into, into these companies that will have that kind of impact. Fantastic. So any question I should have asked you, I did not for this, uh, this part of the interview. Ah, oh, man. Um, I could tell you about more of our companies, but I don't know how many more hours we <laughs> have left. I mean, because they're all. They're it's all about great. you. What's your timing, uh, David? I mean, you <laughs> we have the chance to already have you for almost an hour and uh, tell me, I'm happy to keep going. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm open. If, if, I mean, certainly if you have any other areas to, to explore, I'm, I'm open to it. Thank you so much, David, for being so generous with your, with your time and your incredible insights on, on the industry. Uh, I'm literally very excited to see so many you know, brilliant people like you or your team at Clean Energy Ventures putting so much effort to move the, the ball towards a better and cleaner world. So thank you again. My pleasure. My pleasure. This is, you know, thank you for doing this, right? Really appreciate you, you know, getting, getting the word out. <laughs> thank you so much, David. Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate tech ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation or sponsorship to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupbscamp.org to discover more episodes like this one and get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.